A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello. Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Podcast. I'm Michael. I'm Jake. And today, we're talking about... <laughs> villains. Talking about peaking, huh? Oh, yeah. Oops. <laughs> we were just like, let's not peak yeah, today. Yeah, I know. And he went, like, right into the microphone. <laughs> I will take that blame. It's okay. Oh, my God. It's for the bit. We're talking about villains today. Yeah. But but before we get to fictional villains, we got to talk about real life villains. Oh yeah. Oh boy. So today is Wednesday the 29th. It's the 28th. 28th. Okay. I think I don't know. I don't know where my phone is. Oh, it's 28th. Yeah, okay, 28th. Hey, let's go. Um currently right now as we're speaking, um some shenanigans are happening right now. At uh, Activision Blizzard. <laughs> Give us a scoop, Michael. Oh, boy. Give us a scoop. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> so we follow game companies because we play games. And sure. We enjoy them. Yes, we and, do. And, you know, it's not a strange phenomenon that developers have a tough life <laughs> where they get underpaid and they're overworked and stuff. The reg. Yeah, um, but this case is egregious. Oh my god, <laughs> it's yeah, egregious. I mean, I've heard some stuff, but I don't really know the logistics of everything. Yeah, you want to break it down? Oh boy, <laughs> so take us through the timeline, my friend. Um, I don't know if there is exact date where it started, but uh, literally, uh, employees have been coming out. And have described the workplace of Activision Blizzard as a frat house. Okay. All right. And it, like we have the uh, article up, and the, there's some descriptions, and it's there's a reason why this has now gone to a lawsuit with California. Um, there is it, like you read some of this shit where it's like. These guys drunk in the office and like groping people and like all this stuff and you're like, how the fuck was this company like functioning? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. There you go. Yeah. Uh, everything you need to know. So okay. Uh, if anyone wants a nice little read, it's on CNET. Um, but 
Yeah. Literally, it's so bad with the essay and all this stuff that there was an employee, like a female employee, who during a business trip committed suicide because she of her like supervisor. That's crazy. Like Are you serious? Yeah, I, I it's heard- right there. It's uh, where is it? Me is it? Is it? No, it's not. They're not talking about it right there. Oh, maybe scroll down. Um. Oh, there, there it is. Yeah. Up, oh, up, oh, up. Oh, oh. There you go. Um. St- <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, oh, here it is. Yeah, I think. Yeah. The lawsuit describes incidents, including allegations that a female employee died by suicide during a business trip as a result of a toxic relationship with a supervisor. I have never seen that. That's tough, man. And yeah, like, and this is like all over, and and like all these employees are coming out. There's currently two thousand employees from Blizzard Activision that are protesting right now and bringing forward their stories. I mean, that's kind of crazy that two thousand of their employees are coming at them like that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that many. Like, you know? Yeah. I I don't know. I mainly. Activision is a big company. Like, there's 10,000. I mean, no, I, I, I know. But, like, so the question is now, is anything going to be done? <laughs> I mean, I hate to be the pessimist, but no. 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 Especially not at the helm of the devil himself, Bobby Kotick. Um, I just don't think that anything ever gets done to these people. No. You know? Like, it's it's very hard. Like, to, to get justice, quote-unquote. You know what I mean? Because, like, who well, knows what whole, that really is. The whole is. problem is uh, one of the issues with the gaming industry is that there's no unions or anything. Sure. So these companies kind of just get away with just being pieces of shit to their employees. Though, it's just, like, again, like, crunch and pay, that's kind of, like, across the board. You see that a lot. Mm-hmm. But this is, a, there was, like, what just came out today so, there's a picture going around with some of the dev people who... Oh, there's there's Bobby Kotick, our piece of shit CEO, who gets raises every time he fires, like, 400 people, you know? <laughs> He's so bad and so greedy that the shareholders... The shareholders are like, you need to stop taking money. <laughs> like, Damn. He kind of looks like a greedy bastard, yeah, doesn't it's, he? Yeah, oh, it's... fucker. Um, but, no, like, there's a picture going around now of... What is now described as the Cosby Suite. <laughs> what does that mean? It's like a room, like the hotel room or something from like 2014 or something. Oh, where he the, did some shady shit? No, it's like the devs made a like a room dedicated to Bill Cosby. What? Yeah. And like dedicated they had a, whole, they had a Cosby. They have a portrait of him and stuff. Bro, that's that's really weird. And 2014, when like the allegations were starting to come out. <laughs> That's when they built it? Yeah. <laughs> Bro, it's like they're celebrating essay, pretty much. Yeah. I'm like, you must have thought you were invincible. Like, no one gave a shit. And guess what? Here's the receipt. <laughs> Bruh. See, this is what I'm... This is what I don't I mean, understand. but now that's like... That's like ammunition. Right. In the lawsuit against them. Yeah. Right? You know? Yeah. It's almost like a good thing in the oh, end. Oh, yeah. Like, there's chats. You know? Things are coming out now. You're just like... Ugh. Yeah, I, it's just I don't understand because like there's the whole thing of like oh boys or 
guys doing the locker room talk and stuff. I'm like, I you am keep friends that... with you and other people, and we have never done that. <laughs> I was I've been in sports like as a kid, my whole like you yeah. know whatever from elementary all the way up to to college, right? And not once have I ever heard the quote unquote locker room talk. That they they think of like yeah. not once have I ever heard something like that and like what does that even mean you know what I mean like, stop being a Chad yeah like no <laughs> like not even a Chad just like just a degenerate piece of shit yeah like, I, my I don't God. know I don't know I mean these I mean like these sweaty developers man. You know what I mean? Go like, watch some hentai, you losers! It's just like, <laughs> oh my god! It's like stop harassing your your fellow colleagues. Like, keep that shit at home where you you're not hurting anybody but yourself. You know what yeah, I mean? Fucking Christ! Like, I don't know, it's dude. gross. It's, it is gross. It's just like, I, I don't know who do they, who do they think they are? Who do they think they are? Yeah, really, I know. Like, it's like what gives them the right to think that they could just be oh what because they're developers and they think they're top shit now that so they could do whatever. You work f- at Blizzard. <laughs> Like, come on. Like, I mean, at first, that seems like an accomplishment, though. I mean, World of Warcraft, all that stuff. You know what I mean? So, I mean, like, when you get, if you get, if you got a job at Blizzard before, obviously before this stuff, right? You would yeah. think, oh, man, I made it a little bit. You have to think that a little bit. I mean, listen, if you're working at Blizzard and Activision, all you're doing is either working on a game that's 15 years old and just around because people have no lives. God. No, I'm talking about World of Warcraft. Oh. COD is we are building the same game over and over again. Except shittier each time. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> and then Overwatch is... Overwatch. Don't hate on Overwatch. I will hate on Overwatch. Oh, God, it's not go. good. <laughs> you're Look, you're who, right. It's not good. Gonna, the who, online is shit. You're right. You're 100% right. And like, you balanced it so it's not fun anymore. Like, you overbalanced. Uh, I, don't know. I disagree on that. Are you sure? I, yeah. I mean, I haven't played it in like months, so... <laughs> or And now Overwatch 2 is basically just Overwatch again. <laughs> Overwatch two? Are they making that? Yeah, they announced it, and you look like we have updated the new characters with new new models, and like they all get a new look, and it's like so. It's not new characters, the same characters. Yeah, that's why everyone's saying it's Overwatch two. No way, it's It's the same characters. It's exactly the same characters. It's not. (laughs) Let's let's keep going into this. Okay, let's not not talk about yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just hope because now that the California. Government of sorts is in on this a lawsuit. lawsuit. Yeah, I'm th- hopefully like the demands are at least met because they have four conditions they want to meet, like having a dedicated person, like stiffly through like these sort of cases and sure. like um, getting rid of oh what was it called the aberration clauses where like you can't get a civil lawsuit case within between the like an employee and the That's you know, a thing. That's a thing. It's so bad. It's bad. Read your contracts. Well I mean it's like you don't get a choice, you know? Like it's Oh, like, it's just part of company. It's like, oh it's you like want to work here, policy. you gotta sign it. Like yeah, uh, sure. I guess. Yeah. That's why people like they want to get rid of it. Because it's, it's just like a gun to your head of like, like you can't do anything. You're gonna do shit to you and you can't go to the court of law to defend yourself. Yeah. So that shit's I, I just hope there's something positive comes out of it and I hope this is now like fire under every one of the company's asses of like What are the other conditions though? Um Do you know? off the top of my head uh they I don't know if it's listed in this article but uh you could probably search it up if anything. Conditions doesn't come up. Yeah, so 
Do you want they, to look- there's a those a four. I know that. Mm. Do you want me to look at it? Uh, it's okay. People can investigate. <laughs> investigate. They so choose. Yeah, we've we've dedicated time to this. I just want to bring it to light because I felt like it was important. Oh, man, it's just be a good person. Stop treating your employees like shit. <laughs> like that's why a lot of people are starting their own businesses now because they're getting sick of this like boss employee game. Well, especially to this degree where our good adversary, CEO Bobby Kotick, the devil himself, like, it's such a gross indifference of payment of, like, he's $32 million per year sort of thing, or, like, a gross amount, and he gets, he's trying to get more raises despite his failings. If your money is dirty, it's just, it's no respect. No respect. No respect. You know what I mean? Do it the clean way. There, are, there's plenty of ways to make money clean. Don't, don't be a, don't be a dirtbag. Yeah, it's the moral of the story. Well, anyway, now that we got that serious topic out of the way, yeah. yeah. Villains, uh, villains, yeah. <laughs> fictional villains this time. Yeah. All right. So, looking into it. So, a thing, a trend, if you will, sure, that is coming about more late is sympathy for villains, right? Mm-hmm. And there is the question now, because we have seen it both done well and done really bad, sure. of when should you write sympathetic villains and when you should not? Hmm. I mean, I guess it's when the story really requires it um, in general. I think... There has to be villains that are just bad to the core. Right. Right. But I think, I don't think the main villain, I guess that's not true. The main villain could have a sympathetic story too. I guess it's how invested you are in the character. Mm -hmm. Sometimes villains are just that. Right. Right. I mean, but then there's not a lot of complexity there in that, in that regard. Right. Um, and then you have other characters that maybe you've grown with. I almost like it better for sympathetic villains when they don't start off that way. Right, okay. You know, I think that's when it's done right, mm-hmm. right? When you have a character that might be good and not necessarily like one of the teammates or something. So it's like a betrayal thing. That's right. not really what I'm talking about. I'm just saying like there's a person in the story that you meet that is neutral at the least. Yes. Right. And the sympathy comes because you see him turn into this. Or her turn into this. Right. And um, you're like, oh. and you and you understand it because you've walked through it with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I suppose. And then you, there are villains, obviously, that you can have, like, it's like, all right, so, like, Itachi from Naruto, right? Mm-hmm. Originally, in the Naruto series, Itachi was known for killing the Huchiha clan. Sasuke wanted to kill him, and he was a bad person. Right. Right? They show him... Close to the end of the part one's part, right? Mm. And he fights Sasuke and puts him in a torture chamber of a genjutsu that tortures him in his mind. Right. And makes him relive the killing of his family, right? Okay. And then he also does the same thing to Kakashi, but he just tortures him. He still seems like a bad guy. Yeah. Right? Later do you find out in the story, and spoiler alerts if you've not seen it, you know, overall, um, is that he was he had to because his family was playing a coup against a village. Okay. And he's seen war since he was at the age of nine. And he's always wanted not war. And he knew there'd be a war if they fought. 
So he made a plan with the head of the village to kill off the whole family except for his brother Sasuke. Yeah. Right. Right. That was the only. It was either war, right, or 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 end war, and his brother will be safe because he knew if the war started, his brother would die indefinitely, a hundred percent. Right. So he did everything to save him, essentially in the long run, right? Yeah. And you find that he was sick, and that he he always loved his brother, and he was always like, people like he was a spy for the the Uchiha clan, and he was a spy for the for the Leaf Village as well, yeah. and he was always like stuck between the two, and just a tortured soul in general. And you see that he wasn't necessarily he always had the best interest of the village in mind, even beyond his family goals, right. right? So you gain sympathy because he had a tragic life because he was forced into this into this position to choose his family or his home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a cool, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a good way to show sympathy for a villain that you didn't expect to have that kind of story in general. Right. It also adds character development for Sasuke, the main character, mm. because he he wanted his whole goal was to kill his brother. Yeah. And so he found out the truth, and now it's to avenge him. You know what I mean? It changes the narrative of everything in general. Yeah, it's context. It's context exactly. Right. So I think it's just when the story requires something like this, or you need to progress in a certain way. You know. Yes. That's my ideology yes. on it. What do you think? Um, I, I definitely agree with what you said. Uh, one of the issues is kind of this false sympathy of like when you have authors and writers kind of like have this villain who's like done horrible shit and mm-hmm. they're like, well, actually, but you know, there's actually like, like, you know, his dad beat him or something. <laughs> and you're like, okay, <laughs> why, why like he, he murdered like a whole city. You're what? talking shit about Shigaraki, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to, but sure, we can go. That's literally his story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's. I mean, Shigaraki at least makes sense because it. You you could see then the through line of how he gets manipulated by for all for one. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like something. I'm thinking of you know what I'm thinking of the Caleb City skit where these two bank robbers are leaving and like the police confront them and one of them has like an actual real reason of like oh these people like killed my family and like stole from me in the city and like they need to go and then like the other guy's like some people bullied me in high school (laughs) (laughs) they called me names and it's like you killed people. You like you. <laughs> this is not revenge. It's just random acts of violence. Like it's that sort of thing. Of like the tragedy of the character has to correlate to why you did the actions later. It can't just yeah. be, you know, like forced. Some sad thing made you do this. Cause well, I think a lot of writers these days thinks the audience is stupid. Yeah, and can't tell the difference between something that's there intentionally. You know. For just to gain it factor yeah. or something that actually contributes to the narrative. You yeah. know what I mean? I think there's a difference between those two things. And um, I don't know. It's just, you know, a lot of people just, a lot of things, a lot of people just do things because it's like trendy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was watching, I was watching this thing on YouTube and I was watching, uh, what, the, what is his name now? Uh, oh God, it's escaping me. If I remember, I'll, I'll say it. But he okay. basically does a lot of stuff for like comic writing and and story writing for like superhero shows. Um, he he has like black hair and a beard. Oh, you know what I'm talking uh, about. He's always in the scene. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean if you if I said a name, then like I, 
I don't know, but like off oh, my head. It's killing me. It's killing me that I don't know. <laughs> it's killing me that I don't know. All right, hold on. All right, so I, I remember it's Kevin Smith. Okay, there we go. Kevin Smith. So this guy was talking about how like you, characters need to die in a story. Okay. And I was like, why? There's no reason why a character has can't live a long life in a story. Right. I think it if it if it that your your main your loyalties should be to the plot and the mm-hmm. plot alone. Yeah. So your characters, you shouldn't have loyalty to them in the story writing because they serve the plot. Yeah. Right? It's either the plot sucks and, you, and the characters are the main thing or the, the plot is the main thing and the characters are not or vice versa or right. a mixture of the two, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think you need to have a character die just for, for a shock factor. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, of course. And I think that's what a lot of people do. It's the same thing with the villainy stuff, too. Yeah. I mean, um, there's a channel called Overly, Sarca- Overly Sarcastic Productions, which really dives deep into, like, tro- different tropes and stuff. And, like, they had a whole episode of, like, the character deaths. And it really brings, like, a good insight of, like, all right, when should you kill a character and how, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, you need that video needs to be passed around to some people because, like... <laughs> Yeah, like some like you said, it's sometimes it's just a shock value of like, oh, this character's dead, like, or off the top of my head, Game of Thrones, like you kill a character, and then you bring them back because it's like, well, actually, we still need them around for a thing, and then kill them again later. <laughs> yeah, mm. I mean, there are some good deaths in that show too. I I like when, not to stray off the top of the villains, yeah. but I do like when a show is not afraid to kill a character that's likable or that people like. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just don't think it should be for the reason of shock value. Right. I mean, if you want to put this character in a scenario that furthers the plot, but it's a likable character and it's a main character, mm-hmm. go off. You know, I'm sure it'll be a very yeah. impactful moment, you know. Right. Um, but just for the sake of it, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a very good idea to set stakes, right? Like when I rem- like Attack on Titan first came out, like when you just people just <laughs> get killed. Well, it sh- <laughs> yeah, it shows the reality of the situation, but those are fodder people to a degree. Well, I mean, for the first couple of chapters, you Aaron just dead. <laughs> yeah, but that's another thing that was shock value, if you think about it. Yeah. The main character is really going to die True. in the first one. Really? Isayama was actually a good writer this whole time. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> no. I mean, he's a great um, <laughs> <laughs> Episode one. <laughs> I was going to say he's a great writer, but then I was like, well, that would contradict what I was yeah. saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. he's, he has moments. He has moments. That's where it's at. Yeah. Um, but, but I, yeah, good. I was gonna say, I was gonna kind of lead us back into sure. villains. Um, I think what helps also is understanding what kind of villain you're writing because there's very there's a lot of different types of villains. It's it's what is their purpose? Yeah. What what is their goal? You know, like in the plot and um, like um, I'm trying to think of a good scenario. Well, I can say like in my story that I'm writing. Mm-hmm. There's a character that I'm writing for the middle act that's like the main villain of okay. the first part. Yeah. And he's just bad to the core. Yeah. Right? And there's no sympathy there. He's just bad to the core. Right. And it's not, it doesn't make him boring because he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't have goals and complexities of his own, right? Mm-hmm. But he just doesn't have a sympathetic story. Right. Right? Yeah. And then you can have villains. I have another character that's that's not really a villain. I've shown his character design already, so I can say Zen is his name. Okay. And he's pretty much 
like a threat to everything. Okay. Right? Like it's like almost like a have you seen a Magi? Magi. With the magician's one with Aladdin. His name is with blue hair. It was popular. Right on. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, of your yeah. Okay. You know what I'm talking about, right? I know what you're talking about. Okay. Do you know Sinbad? In that show, the purple haired one. The purple oh my god. The purple haired one. No, no. No? no. Alright. Well anyway, he's he was like the most OP character in this story. Okay. Right? And like everyone like feared him and liked him at the same time. Alright. Right. So it's kind of like that kind of uh narrative with him. Like he's dangerous. You know what I mean? But he's not necessarily evil. Okay. As, but he's he, but he can be considered a villain because he's against the main he's an antagonist in the story. Yes. Okay. And you can have him have a sympathetic story, which is what I plan to do to a degree. Mm. But you just do it in a certain way, like that's different. You know what I mean? Right. In general, like for for him, it's not it's sympathy in the sense that it's not like a lot of bad things happen to him. It's mm. just a messed up life in general. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like a person being like it's like a an arrogant, spoiled person who was born rich, right? Right. It's not sad because they have everything. But at the same time, the way they act and, like, what they had, you know what I mean? Mm. Parents, maybe their parents were never there, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, like, things that you wouldn't expect, stuff like that. Right. All right. Um. So, I made a sort of a list of, I kind of broke down different types of villains. Sure. Right. So, first off, there is the villains who just... Are evil like there is no redemption yeah. factor they, they they own that shit and they're like i just kicked a puppy because fuck you <laughs> <laughs> like that sort of thing and appropriately for the name of this podcast um corella springs to mind as just an evil person okay right like when you hear the name corella like what, what comes to your mind uh crazy old bitch crazy old bitch <laughs> super greedy yeah. Like I will kill puppies for a nice jacket sort of thing. Yeah. Right. And that's that's a unanimous. Like that's clear cut. Her name is cruel. Like, you know, like it's it's, it's very it's on the kind nose. of a given. Yeah. So what started this whole podcast was the release of the Disney origin story movie. Oh, with Emma Stone? Yes. Did you watch it? No, because I have a life and I know it's bad. (laughs) But I know what happens, which is why. Oh, you know what happens? Yeah. So the reason I I named the title like (laughs) this way was the origin story of why Corella hates dogs and Dalmatians. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. You want to take a guess? They peed on her one time or something stupid. No, it's the most, it's it's the joke trope that we all joke about. Her mom gets killed by Dalmatians. <laughs> what? <laughs> so it's oh my god! It's she's the hero all along. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> it's like so blatantly on the nose because like I think. I got. I didn't watch it because I I enjoy my money being spent for better things. Sure. Um, but like I think like the dogs like bark at her and she like falls off a cliff sort of thing. I think Are that's you what serious? happens. Yeah, that's her fault then. Yeah, and then and then just to nail it on the head, like she leaves like her bracelet or something behind, and a dalmatian like grabs it and and eats it. <laughs> like oh man, this dog's so evil. <laughs> it's her fault for falling. She got spooked. Oh and, my and god, fell. it's so fucking stupid. Oh my god, that's funny, man. But it's like, 
right, like let's... it's the joke of like you, you know that troll meme going around of yeah. like that blank killed my grandma you know it's like that <laughs> yeah. sort of it's like oh my god this is not so that's like an example of like a bad origin story like a sympathetic origin story yeah right? like because also Corella has been established as like the own the evil villain yeah right she did not need a sympathetic side all right but let's look at the joker okay joker that was a sympathetic well also clarify which, which joker <laughs> um the the joaquin phoenix okay all right because yeah that's the actual movie the, yeah you know um so they have a uh, a sympathetic story for him where he's like mentally ill and has a shitty life and that's what kind of pushes him to the edge and he becomes a joker in the end yeah and he and then he rejoices. He's still a bad person because he rejoices in the misery of others. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And he does some bad stuff. He's killed people, but um, you kind of like feel for him. You know, like you root for him in the end. Right. At the same time, Joker has always been established as a villain. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's rotten to the core. Yeah, I mean it's the execution of it, right? Like. Yeah, I think that's really what the important thing is. I guess it serves in, the plot. Yeah, in a case. I it, like you could make a case that Kuro could have a sympathetic story somewhere. It's just not this. <laughs> no, I mean I agree. It's just not a good storyline. It's bad. My mom got killed by <laughs> Dalmatians. Dalmatians killed my mom. Bruh. <laughs> um, but so a thing also with kind of these like hammy villains who just like own it sure. is that there's this misconception that because they own the evil that they're somehow less of a character compared to like the ones with sympathetic stories, which is not necessarily true. It's like, cause everyone wants like the relatable, like person that you can understand and like having these kind of over the top villains kind of makes it like hard. So they kind of don't think it's a better character. Um, but like some of the best characters are these over the top villains. Well, look at all for one. <laughs> yeah. All for one is pure bad to the core. Right. You know? And he's such a compelling character because he knows everything. And he thinks of everything. And he's been around for so long. There's, like, so much lore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think, like, you don't have to have a sympathetic backstory to be a villain. Like, you could just be a villain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, some people just want to see the world burn, right? That's, like, the fucking, famous thing. Fucking Dio from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I don't know a lot about JoJo's. Like, you yeah. know, so. He's so, he's such an asshole. Like, first arc he's introduced Goes to jo- um, Jonathan's dog, puts it in a furnace, and kills it, <laughs> just to establish his dominance. <laughs> like, oh my god, he's such a piece of shit villain. Does he have the overhaul voice actor? Is it the same person? No, no. You you know Dio's. He has the um. Who does he? Uh, who else does he play? I I've heard him in other things. He has done. Others. I'm trying to think off the top of my head that you've always seen. Um. Like, he shows up in weird places, but, like, okay. because you know the voice, it's like, yeah. why is Dio in... <laughs> he's, he's in Violet Evergarden. Okay. He plays um the owner of the post office. He's in a few things. He's a popular voice actor. Yeah, it's just that's, weird. Cause, like neither just, here nor there, though, Because you just hear Dio all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he, like, he's he's evil to the max. He does not give a shit. He, he only gave a shit about one person, and that was, like, the villain of Part 6, who's just as bad and just... <laughs> There's Palpatine. Oh yeah, that's. But again, I don't. I don't know. Something about Palpatine to me is just. He. It seems like it's just very random. 
the things that he does. Yeah, it depends on what writer has control of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, like, it's always going to leave a sour taste in my mouth that he came back in episode nine. Hmm. I don't know. I'm just like, I've had enough of this old, old, <laughs> this old geezer. This old guy. And that's, that's nothing to the actor. I love, you know. Yeah. And I love him. He's cool. And he did, he did a great job with the role. It has nothing to do with that. It's yeah. just I'm kind of tired of seeing Palpatine be the only villain in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like that Mandalorian's introducing Thrawn mm-hmm. into it as well, you know? Yeah. But he is evil to the core. Yeah, he's... There is no redemptive side to Palpatine. He's just like... Fully embraced. Fully embraced. I enjoy torturing my loyal subject because... For the lulls. <laughs> Seriously, he's a bad bastard, that's for sure. Yeah. Unlimited power! <laughs> My man had two freaking uh, organizations that he put to <laughs> war against. He's like the god of war, pretty much. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the Star Wars universe. He put two entire factions against each other that he was both controlling. Yeah, at the same time. Both consisting of slave armies. <laughs> it's just like... Wow. Yeah. He's a bad dude. I love it because the actor was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to ham this up all the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not holding back. I'm going to do Yeah, I know. It's just, but that's like, that's, that was what made it Palpatine. That's what made it Palpatine. That's why yeah. it's great. Yeah. Now, on the tier underneath that, there are those who have understandable motivations, but they're still horrible people. Like, you could you be like, I see your point, but you need to stop. <laughs> like this is the wrong way you're doing things. <clears throat> One thing that I find hilarious is that there's this. I saw this thing about Thanos. Yeah, you know how Thanos, like obviously his ideal is realistic, mm-hmm. in the sense that there is limited resources, yeah. and eventually, you know, within time. Right. Obviously, in the MCU, there's like a bunch of different species that are, are around and are apparent. You yeah. know. So there's a lot more life in the galaxy, mm-hmm. as far as we know. Um, but even on Earth, you can make the argument that resources will eventually go away, mm-hmm. right? So he his idea was to just cut the population down so that there's more resources for the population that remains. Right. But I saw this thing where it was like, couldn't he have just doubled the resources? Yeah, I've seen that too. And I'm like, the whole movie is pointless now. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, I don't know why, why. That makes it's a good point. No, it's a good point. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think his twisted logic was like, well, then it's just gonna grow again to another overlord. But that's stupid too, because then the population that's left will just replenish. I think he just wanted an excuse to kill people. Like, listen, <laughs> seriously, right? I agree. I I don't know. I get it, but it's heinous. Yeah. So, on the extreme other end, is. Yoshikage Kira from JoJo. Again, Again, explain. So, of all the JoJo villains, like, I love Dio, but, like, Yoshikage Kira is probably my favorite villain of the entire JoJo. Which part is that? He's part four. Part four? Okay. Yeah. And it's very simple because Yoshikage Kira does not have any aspirations. He does not have, like, any goals to take over the world or anything. Sure. He just wants to live a quiet life in a little town, left alone, chilling. Okay. Only problem is he has a habit of killing women and taking their hands. (laughs) That'll complicate things. That'll complicate things. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love it because he's such 
like he he planned out his entire life to make sure he's not noticed by anybody. Sure. Like he did not accomplish like the highest tier in school. He did, like he stayed in the middle. He's like an average guy. He, he made sure everything looked average on purpose. So he just doesn't want to be noticed. He doesn't want to be noticed. And it's crazy like cuz he like he gets into fights with the main character like once and he's like Listen, I don't care about winning or losing. I just care about surviving. And, like, I will bounce from this fight if I see I'm going to lose. I don't care. <laughs> I have no honor. <laughs> and, yeah, it's just, I love it because it's relatable in the sense of, like, don't, it doesn't everyone kind of just want to be, have a nice, quiet life of just chilling and, like, doing whatever you want, feeling comfortable? I, I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting because that's kind of, like, the opposite, I feel. Of what people want. Yeah. Especially in this day and age, everybody wants validation. Right. And acceptance and praise and acknowledgement. Mm. All these things, you know? Yeah. And um, to have a villain that doesn't crave any of that is kind of interesting. It's like it's he's an outsider to the status quo. Yeah. Which is cool to a degree. You know right. what I mean? His only craving is woman's hands. Which is so he can make them his girlfriend. Yeah, I can't defend that, obviously. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's creepy because, like, he walks in town and stuff and he has, like, the hand in his suit jacket because his girlfriend, they're going for a picnic sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, man. So it's like, oh, it's crazy. Uh, but I love Kira. He's such a cool villain. And really, is like, you have, like, the understandable of, like, yeah, I, I would love to have a nice, comfortable life. But also, like, dude, stop killing women, you fucking freak. <laughs> like, what about Aaron Yeager? It made sense until the last chapter. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. Oh. I think his his goals were reasonable. Yeah, yeah. They were just messed up as hell. Yeah, like, because, I mean, we went into detail on this in episode one, but, like, the whole idea of, like, he was kind of pushing to the corner of, like, seeing how the outcome was. And it's like, this feels like my only choice. It was either continue the status quo of shit. Yeah. Or do something really bad and change up the system. Mm-hmm. And he he opted. He was pushed to do the bad option, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, You can't justify killing the whole everything but your island. But, you know, at the same time, if everyone for your whole life and before that was always attacking your island and you were yeah. considered a devil and you were always like just just for the just for the just for being born the way you were. Right. You know, you were considered evil from the very jump. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're told you're evil from, like, the very jump, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a high likelihood that you'll be- start to believe that and become evil. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I think, while heinous, I understand. You understand, yeah. I understand the sentiment behind behind what he did. So kind of in a similar vein to that, have you ever watched Psychopaths? I have not, but I've heard much about it. Okay. In terms of, like, it's really good. It I don't is. know any story plot, but... <laughs> yeah, it's Psychopaths is very good. Only... Well, the first season is. Don't okay. want to be on that, but, like, first season okay. is really good. Um, Sounds good. The main villain, uh, Shogo Makishimi. Shima? Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> um, it's very... In- so you know the, do you know the premise of Psychopaths? Not at all. Okay, so the premise is kind of a dy- dystopian society where everyone has a psychopath. which is kind of like a psychological chart and if you go past a certain threshold you're deemed like uh dangerous and you're immediately arrested or killed because you 
are possibly a threat to society. Okay, so just wipe you off the. You know. Yeah, because like if you're psychologically not sound, so they point like an exit example of this is like a girl is about to get like and stuff. They kill the girl. Um, they were going to try to, but like the police managed to cop in and like kill the bastard. But the problem was the girl's traumatized, so her psychopath meter goes down, and it's like, uh, <laughs> what do you? What do you do? Yeah, and. Um, the whole thing is this, the villain Shogo is like he wants to destroy the whole system and like he proves the flaw of it because like he's so I don't want to tell spoilers but sure. there's a there's a dark secret to the whole psychopath system that causes him to be exempt from its scannings okay and like he's able to just like in front of a police officer just shoot her best friend because she's unable to kill him because he's technically not a dangerous person. Oh, so it's like strict to that rule. Because it's they're tied to the guns. Like the guns okay. won't turn into lethal mode unless they're underneath the threshold. Okay, so it's not so much that they think that they're not doing anything wrong. It's that their weapons and anything that they yeah, try to do. It's the whole system. Is, is like part of the algorithm. Like yeah. It has to have this parameter. Right. Okay. Yeah. And it becomes a question of like, are you going to adhere to this or do you like break through and like do your own thing it's a whole big control thing and it's and once you find out the secret of why how this thing is even functioning and why he's exempt it's then like you kind of like maybe he's on a some maybe this is a really bad thing needs to get rid of i mean just from your description it seems reasonable yeah um it's it's hard to say without spoiling yeah of course uh, you should definitely check it out when you get a chance but yeah, he's a very good case of kind of, uh, I mean, like upheaving the system, but then he doesn't have a solution to put it back. Anything else? Like he just wants chaos. So it's just like he's fine with whatever comes about from this, yeah. as long as it's different from what it is exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he's a very interesting villain. I mean, you're getting me a little amped on it. You I'm should like... watch Psycho House. It's really good. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Um and then now finally we get to actually sympathetic villains. Villains who actually have a sympathetic side that ties to the character. Okay. Um off the top of my head, every time I hear a sympathetic villain, I think of Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean. I have not seen those films. Have you really? I've seen like one or two. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you know who David Jones is? I have no idea. Oh my god. No, no. <laughs> okay. Um this is a this is a damper in my plans here. Oh Jesus. Um Okay, so to give you a brief synopsis, um Davy Jones is the villain of the second film and kind of the third film. Okay. And like you know the general mythos of the David Jones is the he's, he's not the tentacle one, right? He's the tentacle guy. Oh yeah, I know who that is. Then. Okay. I just yeah. didn't know that was his name. Yeah. David Jones. Um so the whole premise of him is that a long time ago, uh he made he fell in love with the goddess Calypso. Okay. And uh she tasked him to ferry souls to the other side on the flying Dutchman. And um after ten years he would rejoin her and they could finally be together. Sure. The problem is he works for 10 years, comes back and she's not there. <laughs> she moved on. Something oh else. no. So he gets really heartbroken 
over this and like he carves out his heart because he couldn't handle the pain anymore and locks it away in the chest and he decides to go against the system of the Dutchman and instead of ferrying people to the side where they're supposed to go he starts abusing the Dutchman's powers and like shanghaiing people to servitude on the ship okay um she is not happy about it and she curses them so they become all like fishy yeah <laughs> and he doubles down and like goes to the covenant of pirates and it's like yo you guys want control of the seas for real seas how about you i got a spell thing that can uh lock up this goddess into human form and she would be powerless and they do that <laughs> Damn. So it's this whole thing because he he's like Yoshikage Kira in a sense like he just wants to do his own thing. Like he he is cruel but fair in the sense of he makes deals and you As have to pirates honor do. Yeah. yeah. And he wants to honor that deal. And if you don't honor the deal, he comes after you. Okay. And it's like a mob boss almost. Yeah, exactly. Um and what makes him so sad is like in the third film, because the whole premise is if you control the heart, you can leverage Jones to do whatever you want. Yeah. And his heart ends up in the hands of the head of the East Indian Trading Company, who is this, like, corrupt British person who wants to eradicate pirates. Sure. So he just starts sending Jones around, just massacring people. And, like, Jones is not happy about any of this because it's kind of like, oh, I'm putting your heart on your ship now, so you have to see it every time you walk into your room yeah. sort of thing. And by the end, like, uh, Calypso eventually gets released, and there's a whole final battle and stuff. But, like, there is kind of a reconcile sort of thing. Yeah. But it's all very sad because he is he never really got to be gains what he wanted yeah like yeah he still dies heartless and like he only gets a brief like like he never stopped loving her is the sad part and like he simp every time you see him like he's got he's got like a theme song sort of and he plays on the organ and he's got a locket that plays it and it's like a connecting thread of tragedy throughout the whole two-part movie um and he's just one of my favorite villains because it's like you see him and you're just like, oh, poor octopus man. <laughs> All he wanted was love, man. He just wanted love, and <laughs> you, he became a monster because of it. It's very, it's like Beauty of the Beast gone wrong, kind of. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, do you have a actual sympathetic villain? Hmm. An actual sympathetic villain. I'm trying to think. I mean, you kind of mentioned Shigaraki before. That's kind of. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, let's talk about Shiggy for a minute. <laughs> Shiggy. <laughs> My boy Shiggy. <laughs> um, so for those who don't know, uh, Shigaraki is the main villain, I think, still, of My Hero Academia. Very handsy. Yeah, very handsy. So... He was introduced as like a protege of the main villain of the series before the series began, all for one. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a bunch of hands all over him, including over his face. You never knew what his deal was. And in the show of My Hero, like everybody has these things called quirks. So they're like superhero abilities, but they're quirky. Like they have their drawbacks to them as yeah. well. Um, and his is called decay. So anything that he touches with his five pointer fingers would just 
to start to disintegrate mm-hmm. in general. So that was like his thing, right? And um, he was a really, you know, kind of a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. Just he came out to high schoolers and well, killed people and just like, you know, started this thing called the League of Villains and was just trying to become a villain. That was like his goal. And it wasn't until later on in the series, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it or read it rather, um, you find out his backstory is, is that as a kid, he always wanted to be a hero. Mm-hmm. But his dad wouldn't let him because his grandmother was a hero, and she was never around. And he, the, the his father was like traumatized by heroes, and she she died being a hero as well. Mm-hmm. So she never came home, right? right? So he was like, "How dare you want to be a hero?" And he used to abuse Shigaraki um, for just having the idea of being a hero, you know? Yeah. And he's always so sad about it. And the only one who really supported him was his sister, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have his quirk awakened yet, so no one knew what it was. And at one point, he found out that his... Shiggy found out that his grandmother was actually a hero. And that only boosted, you know, yeah. his his goals to become a hero. And um, his dad found out and just went ballistic on him. Right. You know? Yeah. And just from everybody always telling him that he couldn't. And just the torture of the abuse from his parents... And everyone, even though his dad was the main abuser, like everyone sat by and yeah, watched it happen. They're it, complacent. Yeah. And his quirk unlocked and he just went ape. Mm-hmm. Like he disintegrated his dad. Um, well, not, actually, no, I lied. I'm, I'm sorry. He just, first off, his quirk activated without him realizing it. Mm-hmm. And he disintegrated his dog. Oh, yeah. Uh. And then his sister was there horrified and saw it and tried to run away. And he grabbed her and he disintegrated her too. Mm-hmm. Then he di- then he disintegrated the grandparents and the mom, and lastly, when he disintegrated his dad, it looked like he was enjoying it. Well, that's the he, only he, one he he did, did on purpose. Yeah. It's the only one he did on purpose. And you find out that as a kid, he was just so traumatized, and you know he was living on the streets, and all for one found him and groomed him into this thing, yeah. you know. And it's interesting that he now wants to become the the not the best villain that's ever lived. Yeah. When he his his real you know his real ideals and the like, things that he really wants. Was to be a hero in the end, yeah. so it is. It is tragic to see that you know, if he just had the right support system, you know, maybe he could have been something different. Yeah, um, you actually just reminded me now as we kind of equated all for one for a Palpatine like figure. Yeah, Sugar Rocky's a very much a Darth Vader sort. Of I agree. It's just tortured a slave to another man's ideals. You yeah. know. It's sad. It's sad. It's just sad, you know, overall, especially when you see that. And, you know, I but what I like about Shigaraki, too, is that even though because at first he didn't even when he was first introduced and like throughout the story until this point when he finds this out, mm-hmm. he did not remember this. Right. So he he didn't remember his past. He kind of blocked it out or something happened where he no longer remembered that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he really was just kind of robot, a, a robot to all for one schemes, yeah. pretty much, you know, just a, a machine, mm-hmm. a tool. Um, but when even when he remembered that, he didn't like go back. You know, sometimes people have revelations and they start to switch up. They try to be like redeemable. It's yeah, like, you know, he didn't go that route. He was like, I, I understand this, and this is my my story. And I, yes, I wanted to be a hero, but this is no turning back now. Yeah, you know, which I also like too. You can have a sympathetic villain and still have them be a villain at the same yeah. time. That reminds me. Um, one of the villains I listed here is the Skull Girl from Skull Girls. <laughs> Tell me about it. All right, so you never played any of the campaign stuff for Skullgirls, right? No, just a little bit here and there. So 
the main villain for all the campaigns is Bloody Mary. Okay. Um, and her whole deal, the, the whole deal of Skullgirls is there is an artifact called the Skull Heart, where if it finds a woman or a girl with pure intentions, it will grant its wish. Like, it will grant a wish for you. Okay. Um, the problem is, usually it's always a backhanded thing, and it corrupts you <laughs> into a skull girl. Okay. Which, like, raises the dead and everything and causes havoc. Okay. So, this has been going on for years now. And um, Marie, or Mary, um, was a servant with another girl named Patricia. And they get sold into slavery, basically, and abused by this mob family. And, like, super abused. Like, Patricia's arms and legs get cut off and her eyebrows gauge. Like, she becomes Peacock in the fighting. Okay. Like, um, and Mary gets the hold of the skull heart and goes absolutely ballistic with its power. Like, she up... She rips the building of the mob family out of the ground okay. and chucks it at its blimp <laughs> sort of thing and, like, raises dead. And it's sad because, like, if you go down Peacock's route in the game, like, you see her trying to reach her. It's like, Marie, I know you're in there. Like, like we used to be best friends. Yeah, and, like, like, trying to reach the old person, yeah, right? and she's just, like... She's fully immersed into the skull heart, and it's like, no, like I need, I need to kill. They all deserve it, like, sort of thing. And why say the skull girl as a tragic villain rather than just Marie? Is sure. I see. I keep on switching Mary and Marie. I don't remember how it's actually pronounced, but sorry. That's um, okay. <laughs> uh, the main thing is like, cause some of the campaigns end with whatever character you choose getting the skull heart and like some people destroy it but other people actually try to use it and other than one they all end up in tragic circumstances and it sucks like everyone who uses the skull heart gets fucked over in the end so it's like always a draw there's never like a positive to it no only one only once but even then like to the person who used it fucked but what the wish was good okay yeah um and it's just like like it's a tragedy of like these broken characters getting kind of like all for one of shigaraki kind of like manipulated by this thing to have its own agenda be pushed forward and it's like oh like you didn't deserve that man i just thought of a villain um that's not necessarily sympathetic but what he does like the victims have like such a sympathetic story the victims yeah well that's not really a sympathetic villain then is it <laughs> no but we were talking about like bad whatever Fine. okay <laughs> never mind well, they're we, not should... a villain get out of here <laughs> well, the, the thing whatever it's, fine. <laughs> it's like I, i'm sorry <laughs> Um, Just cut that part out. Yeah, no, I'm keeping that in. <laughs> You're keeping that in. <laughs> <No>. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so now the question, the question becomes: Then, when you have a sympathetic villain, there is the option to redeem. Okay. Right. Sure. And it's like, when should a villain become redeemable? And like we talked about that in the beginning, and 
Okay, I'm gonna. You know this reference in this character because if you don't, we're ending this podcast. Okay, Zuko from The Last Airbender. Man, who are you talking to? <laughs> okay, good. I was. <laughs> I love Avatar: The Last Airbender. All right, good. All right. So Zuko, right? That is an example of redeemed villain. He's my favorite character. Yeah. I love Zuko. All right, you go in depth. What, what do you All like right. about him? Oh, Zuko. Who? What do I like about All right, him? Go. <laughs> well, all right. So, Zuko is the prince of the Fire Lord, and the fire the Fire Nation is trying to take over the whole world. Okay, mm-hmm. he was banished by his father and burnt as a discipline for speaking out against a horrific plan that the generals and his father had. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's established that he's always had a good heart and a good soul. Right. Right. The only way he could come home is if he captured the avatar who hadn't been seen in a hundred years. So basically it's an, it's a pointless search. Right. Right. It's just like his father didn't want him essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so he finally finds the avatar and he chases him down for months or a year or however long. And um, that he's just always viewed as an antagonist. But he has this uncle named Uncle Iroh, who's also one of my favorite characters. Yeah. He's always trying to push him back towards the light. I like Zuko because in terms of redemption, you could always see it from the beginning. Okay. He's always had respect. In the very first episode, they ask if we if the Avatar, uh, Aang was like, if I come with you, will you leave these people alone? Mm. And he's, he agreed, and he did. That's honor. Right. You know, if you're a villain and you're 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 such an evil you know, bastard. Right. What is honor to you? Right. Mm-hmm. There's always been a redemption and like signs that he's, res- he has respect, right. you know, overall. Um, whenever he fights somebody, he would never strike them once he's already defeated them. Mm-hmm. He never really tried to kill anybody either. Right. You know what I mean? As well. He's always kind of had a soft spot. He was just angry. Yeah. You know, he was just an angry teenager, essentially, you know, right. in general, he was scarred by his dad, banished by father, a laughing stock. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was just angry. And um, the seeing, like, over time, you could see that his, his through his uncle's teachings and through his life experiences on the road, that he's starting to see that maybe I don't want to go back. Mm-hmm. One thing about his redemption that I thought was so cool is that it was his, it was kind of like his own choice. You know what I mean? To yeah. a degree. Right. As opposed to other things, like, where it was like, people have to tell him, you know? Mm-hmm. Or people have to tell a villain, like, you know, or whatever, have to talk no jutsu type thing, right? Yeah. And he, he went off on his own for a while and kind of self-discovered himself. You know, there was always a thing in himself that he was like, maybe this is... He was trying to be something that he wasn't. Right. He's a villain that was never meant to be a villain. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? You know, that's what I'm trying yeah. to get at. He's a villain that was never meant to be a villain. And that's why his redemption is so sweet because you're like, you're like all right, he's finally who he was always meant to be. Right. When he comes back and ends up training the Avatar and firebending and being part of the group and everyone, you know, loves him and overall. But he's such a flawed character because... They tried redeeming him in the second arc when he was in prison as well. Yeah. And he was fight he was with Katara and they were like, you know, I don't know what I want. He was just with his tea shop member, he was with the tea shop yeah, with yeah. Uncle Iroh and he was happy, feeling good. Mm. He was over everything. He was doing his own thing. Yeah. And then his sister crawls him back into the darkness, you know what I mean? Yeah. And tries to tell him who he is. You know? Yeah. So I think it's just a fascinating thing. He's such a good character. In yeah, that, that, that was one of my favorite parts of like because you think he's on the road to the redemption, and then he gets snared back in, mm-hmm. and then it's like he realizes again, it's like, oh no, this is. Fucking Once he he because this all right, so he's always been snared in, but he never had what he wanted. Right. This time he was snared in, and he got what he wanted, 
to only realize it's not really what he wanted in the end. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And he's such a flawed character because nothing ever came easy to him, too. Yeah. He always had to work harder than the next person oh, yeah. in line, you know? And you slowly see him get better and better throughout the show. As, as some people you see, like, Aang is obviously, like, elite in airbending, and he's the Avatar. Right. Right? His, his sister is a prodigy. Mm. You know, all these fire generals, his father's, a mo- you know, a monster yeah. in terms of power and in, you know, everything else. Right. And you slowly see him creep up the ladder and catch up to them. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just like, I, I really like it a lot. Yeah, Zuko, I, th- I don't think anybody hates Zuko's redemption. No, Zuko's a great character. Because he was always meant to be that yeah. in the first place. Yeah. Now, I guess to kind of bridge that with uh, fire users, um, a, uh, a character that has been debated on whether or not they should get a redemption arc is Endeavor. Shoto! <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't have a problem with it, um, personally, but I see what people are doing. So Endeavor is another character from My Hero Academia. Mm. He is a number two hero. Well, not anymore. <laughs> but, but at the time, oh, yeah, he's yeah. a number one hero now. But he was a number two hero, and he was always very spiteful because All Might, you know, All Might was the first, you know, number one hero. Yeah. And um, he can never catch up to him, and he just felt like an, an obnoxious obsession to catch up, right? Yeah. And once he realized that he would never bridge that gap, he decided, hey, let me have a kid who can. Mm. <laughs> All right. So he married into this family on purpose because they like they needed money and he, he was Endeavor. Right. Yeah. Who had an ice quirk because he's a fire quirk user. And he kept breeding until he found a child that had both because he was like, if I had the only reason why he couldn't surpass him is because his quirk is that he overheats if he uses it too much. Yeah. So he thought if he had a child with ice, he can cool down. Yeah, and if he has, out. and then balance out, you know what I mean? And heat up and regardless mm-hmm. and so forth. So if the kid, he had three children before he had Shoto, which is the one who actually had the fire and ice quirk. Yeah. And they were all pretty much abused or nothing to him. Neglected. Neglected as heck, even to one becoming a villain in the end. Right. Yep. So you can see that he's a piece of shit because he, he's a bad father. and He's abusive to his wife too, as well. Yeah. That's been established. I don't know physically if he was abusive. I don't know if that's been established yet, but I know mentally, I don't I forget, but I know mentally and emotionally he was very abusive to his family. Right. Yeah. And he was the number two hero, which is super critical as hell. Right. Mm. So you find that he all might has to go in retirement because he fought all for one beat him, but that was his last strike. Right. Yeah. That was it. He was he's a fifty year old man. He already got injured once between the previous fight. He had to retire. Yeah. So now the obvious choice for number one is Endeavor. Yeah. Which he does get in the end. Mm-hmm. But it was bittersweet because it wasn't the way he wanted it to be. It was that All Might was out of the picture, so there's no one else. All right. Right. But because he was a number one hero and he finally got his goal, he kind of understood what it now meant to be the number one hero. Yeah. Right. And the symbol of peace, the next symbol of peace, quote unquote, or he was trying to be. He was trying to. So he realizes to be the symbol of peace for the whole world, like All Might was. He can't be the way he was. Yeah. Right. And he also gets his ass handed to him, so he's like, yeah, he's got humbled a you ta- little bit. What are you talking about? Um, by what's his the face? Nomu. The Nomu. Yeah. yeah. By uh, I forget the name of it now. They had they have a name. Did, for did it have a specific name? I don't know. Hood. Hood. Yeah, by Hood. Yeah. So yeah, hundred percent. Right. But he won in the end. Right. Yeah. So it, it's it's cool to see that he was trying, and now he's trying to like regain his relationship with his children and try to be a better person. And people just can't stand it because they think, oh, because he was an abusive person that he can't, he doesn't deserve redemption. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I understand where they're coming from. You it's know? a delicate slope, right? Of it's like, difficult one because it's fiction, right? Yeah. So in this fictional world, how many people has he saved 
as opposed to how he's hurt. Well, does that matter? Not only you know? fiction, it's shown in fiction. <laughs> <which> yeah, <is> like <laughs> of course. But even let's just say, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if, I know. like if I don't know, you, you save a thousand people, but you're abusive to four objectively, yeah. you know what I mean? You it balances to a degree. I mean, it's not right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm saying in the world of fiction, not in the real world, in the real world, you're going to jail. It doesn't matter how many people you save. Yeah, right, you know what I mean? Right. And as just so. But in the world is fiction. I don't know. It's like, well, he's, you know, he's done. He's he's trying to redeem himself, and this is fiction. It's not real world where he would go to prison and all this other stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, what do you want the story to do with him? Just have him be a piece of shit the rest of the time? Yeah. You know what I mean? What does that serve for the plot as well? That's why I don't have a problem with it. I mean, as opposed to Zuko's, who's always been a good character, Endeavor was not, yeah. you know? always a good person i mean he always wanted to be a hero and save people he was always saving people so in the public eye and his actions you know well, it's kind of like the, um, the the hero the hero endeavor and then and then um todoroki himself mm-hmm. ng todoroki are two different beings right yeah the hero endeavor is a good person who saves people right but ng todoroki was the abusive abusive oh my god the voice cracks jesus christ the abusive uh father right you know so you kind of separate the two like yes endeavor is good but Todoroki is bad. Yeah, so. and that's why Shoto is like, I only want the Endeavor part. Yeah, he's like, I don't want anything to do with you as a father, but as Endeavor, I'll follow you. Yeah. Right? You know, and I think that's the, the prevalent point with the redemption part, too. Mm-hmm. Number one, also, he understands that he doesn't deserve redemption, and he doesn't expect redemption. Yeah. But he's just trying. Yeah. You know what I mean? People are talking, because everyone knows now what he did, right? Yeah. And that Dobby is now his his, chi- his child, and like, yeah. the number one hero has a villain son, you yeah. know? And, um... Everyone's always talking shit to him, but uh, he's like, I understand. This is why I'm doing this now. I'm saving people because of what I've done, right? Like, I'm doing this now despite everything else, despite what you think of me. It's okay. You don't have to think anything of me, but for for my own sake, you know, for everything, I have to do something, and this is is the only thing I know how to do, so. There's a sad, like, fan comic of, like, the what if he actually properly helped Davi. And like try to guide him to the right path, because like the pro the thing with Dobby was like his flamecrack was so out of control that he couldn't he gets burned. Every Dobby's day. a sympathetic villain. He is to a degree. Well, he's a little crazy, but I would say he's kind of he's bo- he's borderline that bridge of like sympathetic and uh, understanding motivations, but still heinous. Right. Well, he was from the time he was born. Endeavor thought this was his prodigy. Yeah. He had hotter flames than he did, you know. He was driven and yeah. wanted it, right? Yeah. And then you find out that his body has his mother's properties, and he can't hold his quirk, so he burns himself, like you right. mentioned, right? So Endeavor just immediately wants nothing to do with him anymore and right. stops training him. Yeah. And to put a, to tell the kid that he's the best, and then immediately something goes wrong, to just yeah, just leave. Be him. done with it. Yeah. Then you know what that does to a child's psyche, and then like literally ignores him and only does stuff with Shoto. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's a psychological thing too. Right. Yeah, I could definitely agree to that. I, I mean, I think Endeavor has done worse things than Zuko did. You know, so maybe that's, oh, why, that's why people <laughs> maybe have a problem more with Endeavor's redemption. But again, I don't really consider as a redemption because in the public eye, in the fans' eyes, clearly, they don't like him. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not going to change. Yeah. He's just trying to be better. I mean, that's all you can do, right? I think the redemptive part is more of like, can he, can the Todoroki family be a family? Yeah, he's just, I mean, he's, I think, I mean, I think he's going to die personally because, <laughs> oh, because he said like, I think they'd be better off without me. 
That's why he's kept his distance when he's trying to change a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? He keeps like a distance. I kind of hope he doesn't because I kind of feel it was like a cop out. I know. I know what you mean. Yeah. I thought he was going to die during the war at first because there was a lot of death flags on him for a oh, while. Right. I thought Dobby was going to kill him. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's different. It's yeah. different because, like I said, no one likes him. And it's just like, what can you do if you? He's accepting the consequences of his actions, yeah, as opposed to deflecting them or saying now this is like it's like in Black Widow as a character in the Marvel movies was trying to clean her ledger, right, with her good deeds, right, right. Endeavor realizes that his ledger will never be clean, mm-hmm. but he has no choice but to keep moving forward, and he rather move in a positive way than a negative way. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's the difference between. So I mean, people could hate on the redemption. I think it's a good writing by Hirokoshi, you know. Yeah, I I mean, I think because it follows that train of thought. Uh, like, let's let's be real. The internet can be very unforgiving mm-hmm. and a little bit quick to draw the like <laughs> conclusions. Yeah, and like, I appreciate the fact Todoroki like realizes what he's done. And once and like he's been trying to push for a positive change, and like I mean it's still up to whoever in his family wants to forgive him for that. Yeah, but I think there was still the redemptive part is like if he's actually learned, because he doesn't ask for forgiveness. No, he wants to prove it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes, he wants to put in the work to show them that he's different now. Right, and I'm like that's all you can really do. You know what I mean? That's very relatable. If you make a mistake, all you can do is keep moving and try to change and be better. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He made a very big mistake. Yeah. And there should be consequences for that. And I think I think he's facing them. I mean, he's ridiculed and, you know. No, oh, yeah. And ruined in the public eye. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. That'll, that'll never change. So it's like it's just like when someone accuses someone of doing something bad and they end up didn't end up doing it. Yeah. Despite the fact that there's a revision, there's always going to be people now that think that they did this terrible thing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like the same thing, but this time he actually did it, you know, obviously. Yeah. But uh, it's the same premise. Like, oh, everyone will always remember, you know, that that's, that's like his yeah. his legacy. His calling card, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, a similar vein of questionable redemption. Um, Virgil from the Devil May Cry series. Okay. Um, Virgil's interesting because he's kind of the bridge of sympathetic villain who is just is still evil and a villain who can still be redeemed. He's kind of the halfway point because he only gets redeemed in the last game. <laughs> like, okay. I, so it's like a, it's, it's like a, an ending redemption. Like you left off at least on a high note. Kind of. So it's weird. So, uh, there's five double May cry games. Virgil shows up in two of them. Actually, like as himself, not like a possessed, dead version. Of him. Like, okay. Like <laughs> I don't. Actual, I don't. Again, I don't. Much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Actual Virgil. So, in three, which is kind of like the start of the whole Devil May Cry story, um, the whole premise is that there is the devil named Sparta, who rebelled against Hell because he fell in love with a human and woke up to justice. You know. Sure. And he had two kids, Dante and Virgil. Um, the ruler of hell, Mundus, was like, no, and like slaughters them all. And, but Dante and Virgil managed to escape. And uh, their mom managed to find Dante and rescue him. 
But as she went back for Virgil, she died. So Virgil was left alone. And he assumed that no one came for him. So the blooders split. And Dante starts his devil hunting business and goes on his adventures and stuff. But Virgil uh, becomes obsessed because he feels like he's responsible for his mom dying also. So he tries to be like his father and becomes obsessed with gaining power. Right. And like the starter three is like he rises this huge demon tower and is like releases all these demons because he wants to open a portal to hell and stuff because he wants to throw down with Mundus and get get, like the force edge super sword and stuff. And like at this point, he's like the villain of like, okay, you, you just will woke all this shit up and now I have to stop you. Like you need to stop. Yeah. Um, then he gets betrayed by this guy named Arkham and then he ends up being the real villain of like, he's just bad, like just straight up evil. Like I love devil power and I'm going to be a big evil slime monster. Ooh. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, Virgil and Dante have the team up for that and they fight the Arkham and kill him. And then Virgil immediately goes back and is like, well, I still want the power though. (laughs) (laughs) And he ends up getting beat and he kind of just throws himself to hell. And it's like, all right, I'll see you later. I guess you didn't win. I lost sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then like he shows up like as a reanimated corpse in one and like, you think he's just gone until five. So at five, like he's rotting like disheveled body. Like he's finally like, you know, what's a way to get real power. I got to separate my human self from my demon self. So he splits himself in half and his human part becomes a person and his demon part becomes a person. And the demon part goes ham. And it's like, I'm just going to sacrifice a bunch of, like a whole city and just game this devil fruit and become the ultimate demon. One piece. Yeah. <laughs> the Quifoff comes up and stuff. Um, and then the human part is like, Oh Jesus Christ. What the, what, I need to stop myself. <laughs> like, so like then the whole game of Del my cry five happens and you defeat the demon part yours. And okay. And his human part V comes down and it's like, I'm disintegrating because I have no power to hold this body together. So why will we rejoin back into Virgil? Okay. Okay. Great. And, but now that he's experienced a human side and like had actual friends kind of along the way. Yeah. Um, and got rid of his like trauma. <laughs> he kind of is like, He's on top of the Quiaflof, like the giant evil tree thing. And he's like, I wonder if our positions were switched. Like, would Dante be like me and I like him if, like, the mom rescued me instead of him? Yeah. And, like, that's like you never hear Virgil contemplating that. He's just like, power all the time. Um, And then when you've, you finally have a showdown with him and he fights Dante and it's like a squ- stalemate. And then Nero. His son, surprise, he had a kid. <laughs> okay. He fucked someone once somewhere. Okay. Um, he's like, I'm not going to let any of you guys kill each other anymore. And Virgil's like, 1v1 me, bro, right now. And I'll, <laughs> if you win, sure. <laughs> and they fight, he wins. And then Virgil's like, all right, fine, I'll take down the tree. Sure. <laughs> like, oh, wow. So he actually did it. Yeah. So 
it's a very interesting redemption ish. Like that's why I would say he's kind of like in between. He like honors the deal because like he honors the deal, but like I feel like because like, you see in three like he's bad, but then if, if a bigger bad shows up, he will help you stop the fight. It's like an antagonist almost. Yeah, that's what like he he's either like an anti hero ishy or like just the secondary antagonist. It kind of reminds me of Red Hood. Yeah. Okay. So to get segue into our next topic, like what makes a villain versus an antagonist? Yeah. I mean, in my in my ideological view, um, I would say a villain is someone who is against the plot. An antagonist is someone who's against the protagonist or against their 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 goal, essentially. Yeah. So if you want to go into technical terms, um, an antagonist is the one who initiates conflict. Okay. Right. And that is against the protagonist, as you said. Yeah. But they're kind of like they they start the conflict of the story and they don't necessarily have to be evil. Yeah. Like. They just have to be at conflict with the protagonist. Yeah, so the antagonist is just only at conflict with the ideals and motivations of the protagonist. Yeah. So, like, if you think of the example of Infinity War, Thanos is the protagonist, despite him being the villain. Yeah, because it's his story. Because it's his story, right. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I bring up Red Hood a lot Mm. is because Red Hood was Robin. Yeah. Then he was murdered. He came back and decided that the idea of putting criminals away and not putting them back and then having them go back on the streets was not the method. Mm-hmm. So he started killing, oh, which goes okay. against Batman's ideology. So it's like literally the son of Batman is doing the exact thing that Batman forbids, right? Yeah, okay. So he's like, he wants to prove in the beginning that he's a better Batman. Than, than Bruce could ever be because he puts them down. Yeah. Okay. You know, think something that he can never do. Right. And that's when Batman explains, like, you know, if I ever go down that road, I'll never come back and all that stuff. You mm-hmm. know, I'm no better than them, you know? Yeah. Eventually, he gets to this point where he's not as lethal, but he's still not entirely with them. Right. He's like the he's like the out, the outsider of the group, right? Yeah. So he 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 will help them and do the right thing but he goes about his own way of doing it that branches away from the status quo of what the Bat family is. Okay. So they're always, like, condemning him for his actions because, one by one, he's murdered a ton of people. Yeah, no. Like, there was, I'll never forget there's a storyline where he, he finds out that his dad was killed by Penguin. Mm-hmm. So he reveals who he is to him. Yeah. And then shoots him right in the head. <laughs> so everybody sees that he did it, and obviously Batman comes after him. Yeah, he's like, I gotta put you, you know, come with me now, you know, whatever the case may be, and all that stuff. So it it ends with like Batman saying, you know, I know that you just lost your best friend because that was like recently that happened, Mm. and he's in a big, you know, a big spot, like you know, like he lost his friends too that went to this different dimension. He's like alone now, Mm. so he's like, because of this and because of who you are, I'm gonna let you go, but don't ever come back here. You know what I mean? So it's like that kind of like you're not allowed in Gotham. If I see you in Gotham again, I'm taking you down. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what happened with Virgil of like at the end of DMC5, him and Dante go down into hell to cut down the tree. Yeah. And it's like, but it's a one-way trip because like then the portal is going to close. And it's like, that's kind of your punishment is like 
like you guys get to be brothers finally but like Dante's keeping an eye on him and make sure like okay no more giant towers that spread out of the ground and kill people yeah <laughs> like, it's like a babysitter yeah um and I, I, like it's like I guess that's kind of redemption ish of like you're at least under control yeah I hear what you're saying yeah so I think that's like how I feel about it when it comes to antagonists I mean I guess it's broad right because yeah. antagonist doesn't necessarily mean villain, but villain does mean antagonist. You know what I mean? Square, rectangle, rectangle. Square. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's just it's uh, the predicament that you put them in in the story. Yeah, I mean, villains are usually always some sort of evil or some sort of ambivalence. Yeah. Um antagonists do not have to follow a moral code they just have to be against the protagonist yeah i guess that's true that i can uh, that's a good i mean good hell way of putting the it. protagonist uh, can be a villain and the villain could be a of uh, the antagonist can be a good guy i.e avengers infinity i.e avengers infinity yeah so i think it's just their their uh their role in the story yeah overall yeah exactly Villains are my favorite thing of stories. I mean, they can be. One thing I really like about Hirokoshi and My Hero Academia mm-hmm. is that the villains, you always see, like, the heroes start from rock bottom yeah. and work their way up, right? Mm-hmm. But in this one, the villains lose a lot, and they're, like, homeless and don't have an organization. Yeah. They don't know what the hell they're doing. I guess that's kind of a big, like sympathetic villain-ish? I don't think so. I think it's more of like the shonen trope, but for the villains. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, for, they all they all fight and get stronger as a group. For, oh, okay. for each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's everything that the shonen protagonist usually does, mm-hmm. but it's on the villain side now. I think that's what makes them so compelling. Yeah. So you saw the rise to power. Yeah. You know? I think one of my favorite cases... But the, a very unique case of villains is um, Usual Sinki or the saga of Tanya the Evil. I've mentioned to you a couple of times. Tanya the Evil sounds more familiar than the other one. Well, it's the same name. It's Oh, it's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the one with the little girl soldier in like World War One. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. It's the Isekai one. Yeah. Um, and that oh, one, I, mem- I remember. Yeah. yeah. That one's very interesting because... The protagonist of Tanya is a horrible person. <laughs> like, she is a sociopath. It's, like, through and through. And it's like, I'm putting these people here in a pillbox because I know they're going to die. Like, that sort of thing. And her conflict is with God. <laughs> oh, my God. God's the main antagonist. <laughs> or being X. Because you don't really know if yeah. it's God or not. Yeah. And the whole series is a big philosophy question of, like, if I put you through, like, is dire straits required to believe in God? Or if you're comfortable, do you no longer need him sort of thing? Yeah. So I, like, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So the whole premise is, like, um, Tanya gets, like, as she dies in her past life, she gets resurrected as a child during a war. And, like making sure she gets enlisted to the army sort of thing. So it's like, all right, good luck, loser. I'm going to make sure you pray to me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's on purpose. Like, you have a shitty yeah, life Yeah, exactly. 
And it's kind of a thing because it's like it's more of two villains against each other rather yeah, than a hero and a villain. No one's right in the end. Yeah, because it's, it's a big old philosophy thing of like there is no like set right answer. Each one has their arguments that are valid. Yeah, it's kind of like whatever you align with at that point. Yeah, and like both of them are pretty bad <laughs> when you <laughs> really get down to it. Like one of them kind of just like being X just kind of like is self-congratulating himself all the time. It's like, oh, I give you a blessing. A narcissist, right? Yeah, yeah, super. And like just creepy because he's omniscient and like is everywhere sort of thing. Um, And then Tanya is just like, again, just sociopath. (laughs) Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, Have you ever seen Inuyashiki? Inuyash? I know Inuyash. Bang. Oh, that one. Yeah. I know the I know that part. I just haven't actually watched it. So this the story takes place is that these two humans are in this park. It's an old man and then the, this kid, mm. and um, they both get transformed into like these androids that are like God, like so you, they can do any. Like he, he, the main character, one of the main characters, he has just a normal finger, and he goes bang, bang, and every time he does that, it's an actual bullet that shoots through the yeah. individual. It's just invisible, right? So what happens is is that one of them is like, oh, I just want to live a normal life still, right? And then the kid is like, oh, I'm God. Yeah, and goes crazy. So I can do whatever I want. Yeah, okay. Like there's a scene where he just goes, he spins around and he counts to 10 and he just picks a house and he just murders the whole family. Yeah. And the daughter comes home and she's like, oh my God, like what the hell, right? And he's like, hey, how's it going? And he's like, what kind of manga do you like? And, like, he just starts talking to her, like, having a normal conversation with her. Yeah. And he just thinks he could do whatever he wants because he's God. Right. And then you see the old man slowly turn into this thing where he starts saving people and, like, helping people. Mm. And you can see that the kid's getting mad because he's like, why would you do that? You know, like, you know, we're gods. Like, you know. Yeah. And in the end, you just, you see them, like, there's, like, this meteorite that's going to kill the earth. And they both sacrifice themselves in the end to save it. Oh, so you okay. see, like, this, like, redemption path and stuff like that. But it's, like, interesting to see, you know, what power does. To, I was know? about to say this kind of reminds me of Death Note. A little bit. Except, Except there, that there I is think, no redemption yeah, for Yeah, there's no redemption light. for Light, no. He just runs away like a bitch. Mm-hmm. And then dies. <laughs> yeah. How did he die again? Someone write his name the in the book? The manga and the anime change. Okay. Because one of them is he... In the anime, I think... Either someone, someone else writes his name down in the book and he just gets a heart attack while running away. I think that's what happened. And But in the manga, he doesn't actually run away. Like, he tries to get Ryuk to help him. And Ryuk's like, well, hang on, hang on. That's not part of the deal. That's not... You said you weren't going to need my help in all of this. And then, like, it just lets him get some <laughs> shot. And oh, die. so he just, he just gets shot. I think he gets shot in the uh, manga. But I don't remember. He dies... Well, well he got shot in the anime, too. Yeah, oh, I know. Oh, think- that's what happened. He got shot in the anime and he ran away, but oh, okay. he bled out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe it is, maybe it's the same. I yeah, but know. in the manga, he didn't leave. He just stayed in the warehouse. Oh, okay, so he didn't run away. In the- okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot of cool. I actually have been reading um, The Ancient Mage's Bride. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It's a really good manga and a very good show. Um, very pretty, has a lot to do with, like, Celtic culture, and, like, it's a romance kind of slice of life thing okay. mixed with, like, fantasy. Really good. Um, the villain of, I guess, this first part, the first season. Sure. 
is this guy named Joseph or Cartophilus. And he's a very interesting villain in the sense of, again, he kind of, he borders that line of like sympathetic, but like he's really does some horrible shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the whole deal of him is he's actually two people merged into one. And it's like uh, just a regular boy named Joseph and this guy named Cartophilus who allegedly was like the story of the Jew who threw the rocks at Jesus and got punished with unending life sort of thing. Yeah. And the problem is like he can never die, but his body still decays. Uh. Yeah. So Joseph, when he was still just Joseph, like was trying to help him and everything. And like, but he, since he was like a grave, ro- like a, not grave, robber, uh, like a grave tender. Yeah. The town like outcasted him and like bullied him and stuff. And like he comes home one day and it's just like is just fucking wrecked. Like the townspeople just laid into him and they decide like he's gonna save Cartophilus by like absorbing him. Yeah. Sort of thing. The only problem is like now the he has a curse and he starts decaying and never dying. Oh, no. So he kinda goes a little bit bonkers and he starts killing people and taking the body parts to kind of okay. delay things. Yeah. And Starts making chimeras, you know, like those chimeras. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and when you get to him in this story, he's like, he just is like mischievous in the sense of like, I'm just going to do experiment and see what the hell happens. Yeah. And like, it's, it's super fucked. But by the end, like you find out his deal and like how it happened. And he's kind of, he's just like a broken mind sort of thing and the ending is um the main character chise she lulls him to sleep and like um they they kind of like split like she takes some of his curse and he like throughout the rest he just is always just sitting in this hole like this bed sort of thing either either sleeping or is just kind of like chilling there and being like hey i have some advice for you and that's it. <laughs> For now, that's it. Okay, so he's just, he's not doing anything anymore. Yeah, because I think all he wanted was peace in the end. He, mm. like, finally wanted just sleep. <laughs> like Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go make some chimeras because I yeah. can't get sleep. But we, yeah, that part's not relatable. But the yeah. peace part, we all just want peace. Peace and love, everybody. Yeah. I just want to live a quiet life. <laughs> dun, dun. Nani? Killer Queen. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Alright. You have anything else to add, do you think? Um off the top of my head, no, we went through the whole docket list. Um just when you are writing villains, be aware of what kind of villain you're writing. And don't try to force redemptions or sympathies when they don't need them and if you're going to write a sympathetic thing make sure it correlates to the growth of the character and not just a shoot in shoehorned thing like don't have dalmatians kill your mom <laughs> <laughs> that's not allowed here heroes do this <laughs> villains only do that <laughs> yeah right i don't know i mean experiment try to be original don't force anything and um 
don't be a villain. Yeah, don't be Blizzard or Activision. <laughs> yes, that's that's the moral of the story. Yeah. Don't be like Blizzard and Activision, and you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, th- um, actually, before I hand, I wanted to let everybody know mm-hmm. is that me and Michael have a traditional drink. Oh yes, we do. Before every single podcast, just to get the little nerves well, I mean, loose and we stuff. Have it during the podcast too, if you. Yeah, if you the hear the slurping. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. But we'll be putting um, the drink of the day in yeah. the description of our podcast from now on. So if you want to get some ideas, sometimes perhaps you know, sometimes yeah, if you want to join us, you know, yeah, if you want to take a little, th- <laughs> you know, <laughs> 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 with us, then you can do such. Um, Again, you know, thank you always for listening to another episode of the Imposter Syndrome Podcast. I'm Jake. I'm Mike. Peace. (laughs) 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 You have an evil laugh? Yeah. Let's see. Those burgers are getting up. All right. Let me see. Thank you. Goodbye. Peace. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.